Yeah. Greetings to all of you that have gathered here this morning. Uh, we'll begin uh, with our karakia. Unihia te pō, te pō whirimarama. Tomakia te ao, te ao pati tangata. Tātai ki runga, tātai ki raro, tātai ahorau. Omie, huie, taiki e. Haere mai and welcome to Raranga Tuku Iho Toho Toho Fifi Orite. Dual Heritage Shared Future, the field trip. This is our final web conference for the week this morning and uh, next to me is Rhea Bright, our expert for this morning and today we're looking at um, we're looking at conservation as a focus for dual heritage shared future and you might think well what's conservation got to do with it well quite a lot actually because the landscape around New Zealand has changed a lot since people have arrived so there's a direct link between the arrival of people and the animals they brought and the things that they've done to the landscape so um, and there's probably a bit of work and we're going to talk more about that with Rhea today a bit of work to do going forward and you guys are playing are going to play a big part in the in the future of Aotearoa how it looks and um, so looking forward to today uh, we've got some ambassadors with us first of all I introduce Lamington because Lamington is from Kohia Terrace School, who's our speaking school this morning. And we've got Eddie the Phil, uh, my, my, um, my ambassador. And Casey the Care from Waikawa Bay School. So they've been having a great time. And you can check out their pages on the website too to see what they've had to say about their journey on the field trip so far this week. So you're at actually in an upstairs room at Russell Museum. Um, te te Faritaunga or Kororarika. And this is just some behind us. You can see just some storage of artifacts and, and a few bits and pieces. So not sure what they're going to do with those, but... Um, down here, some big clam shells, giant clam shells. That, but in actual fact, what's really interesting about this museum is that they're going to completely bowl it. And this is a concept drawing of what the new museum's going to look like. And um, I think it's a pretty cool museum anyway, so um, I can only imagine what it's going to look like in the future. So that's pretty exciting for the people here at Russell and anybody that's lucky enough to come here and visit. Rhea, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Mm, yep. So I work for an organisation called Project Island Song and we take Year 7 and 8 students out to the islands of Ipipri. There's seven islands in the Bay of Islands that have been pest-free since 2009. And we're bringing back the birds, note by note. So we translocate and reintroduce some endemic birds into the islands, and students who go out there learn the process of what it takes to restore a natural environment. And we plant trees, we make rat traps, and we listen to the bird song that's out there. It's a 
a lovely project for the students. So the other day when we went to um, uh, Mangahawea, uh, Motorua, the, I passed some traps and mm -hmm. tracking tunnels. Yep. Um, and I could I saw Tieke Saddleback, yeah. which is pretty neat. Yeah. And listened to that wonderful song, and we could hear Kakariki. Yeah. And I could see probe holes yeah. that the Kiwi had yeah. been doing yeah. with their beak out yeah. feeding at night. So it's pretty special. Yes. Um, and so yeah, Project Island Song is a great organisation here in the Bay of Islands. I actually um, I read about you, and I think I get a a newsletter. To, I think it's I think it's a Project Island song newsletter, but I, anyway, I keep mm. I keep up to date with what's going on, mm. um, and it's there's some wonderfully dedicated people yes. and and a lot the, of volunteers, a lot of volunteers. That's mm. right, and there's opportunities all around our mm. country to get involved mm. um, in voluntary projects. So mm. it's really worthwhile. Great satisfaction. Well, look, let's get underway. I'd like to welcome all of you here this morning, our listening schools, and of course our speaking school core here, Terrace. We're going to get underway with your questions. And just a reminder, if you could introduce yourself with your first name, say your question nice and clearly. And just see you getting organized there. Let's have question number one, thanks. Kate's Toku Ingoa. What do you try to preserve other than plant and animal life? Kia ora, Kate. Lovely to meet you. I I personally am very interested in insects and the marine life, and I think both of them are a very important part of the land. If we don't have insects, we don't have anything to break down and create part of the food chain. It's very, very important, and part of the translocations with Project Island Song is, in fact, bringing back insects. We're looking at bringing back the wetapunga, which is a massive wetter. should be very exciting to have them on the island. Insects are vitally important and are currently largely under threat because of the amount of pesticides we use and because of the reduced habitation in our environment. If we don't have them in the future, things are going to look quite different. So it's really important to preserve and consider and look after our insects. And with that too, the marine life, because with, there's no blue, there's no green. And it's all part of this great big circle that goes round. So we have to look after our marine life to look after our land as well. Yeah, it's, that's a really good point. Um, and there's a word called interconnectedness, mm -hmm. which means that everything is linked. And we're part of that whole web as well. And, and, and insects are kind of a bit undervalued, I feel, Absolutely. at times. Absolutely. But I don't know if you've seen the bug man. Rude. Clyde passed yeah. And he yes. takes insects out and lets them crawl all over students. And you really start to understand them in a different way. And I think that's part of the issue, isn't it? Because we, we think they're creepy crawlies. Yeah. And, um, very special. Mm, very absolutely. Very special. Hey, thanks very much, thanks, Kate, Steve. for getting us underway. Awesome stuff. I like those different coloured curtains in the yes, background there. Very they look really neat. Okay, well, let's have question number two from Kohia Terrace. My name is Harley Breeder, and my question is Who is responsible for ensuring the conservation of nationally of um, significant sites? Kia ora, Harley. I would say you are. <laughs> but that's a lot of pressure to put on you personally. But I think we all are. Within New Zealand, we have various ministers um, within the government. Uh, we have the Minister of 
Cultural Affairs, who's uh, responsible for the Historic Places Trust. And Cult Culture and Heritage. Culture and Heritage, and that's Grant Robinson. And then environmentally, we have Eugenie Sage, who's the Minister for the Environment, as well as James Shaw, who's the Minister for Climate Change. But ultimately, we all have responsibility. Adults, children, everyone. And it's particularly important for students and for, for youth, because it's your future. So it's looking at ways that you can personally and collectively conserve your environments. And then, of course, there's um, organisations like Project Island Soil, the Department of Conservation, um, mm -hmm. which is which is, I guess, part of the ministry. So they they're charged with kind of keeping those nationally significant sites um, yes. up to spec. I suppose you could say, but yeah, I mean, it's we all have, we all need to play a part. Um, it, it matters to us all. So um, yeah, good question. Yeah, thanks. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Harley. Okay, so we'll have question three now, please. What part can conservation play in learning about our past? Mm, very good question. Thank you, Nia. Oh, it's hard to know when to start. <laughs> the past, the present and the future, once again, that interconnectedness, it is all connected. And particularly in an area like Russell, our past really reflects on where we are today, both environmentally, socially, politically and economically. So environmentally, if you think Kororeka was really well known for um, whaling and sealing and what that did in the area, now, in the Bay of Islands, our fish stocks are considerably less than they were back then, and our land, our birds, are considerably less because of our past. So we've got to look at what we've got today to think how we can make the future, environmentally, more like the past, <laughs> and that involves conservation. So it's all interconnected. Yeah. Mm. And not just environmentally, socially, economically, as well as politically. All those areas. Yeah. Thanks, Nia. Thank you. Good question. Okay, so question number four. Thank you very much. Kohia. How might conservation help us as a nation heading into the future? Kia ora, bra. That's another very good question. Uh, I, for New Zealand in particular, we have a clean, green image. I'm not sure that we can actually uphold that. I understand 62% of our rivers around Auckland are not necessarily swimmable. So the future, if we want to be a world leader, I believe we need to actually walk the talk and be a clean and green country. I think in the future we have the potential to be a niche market with both tourism, with leading the way with technology, green technology, with leading the way of how we can restore environments. We're an island away from anywhere else. We can actually do so much in the future if we really promote and support our conservation. And that's in all areas. And a lot of that's going to mean a bit of a change in the mindset. Mm. I mean, I think younger people today, you guys, not like me and old, um, but young people, uh, I feel there's more of an, and Barry, of course, even older, <laughs> um, they, there seems to be more of an awareness these days and, and I'm really and this is the sort of conversation that we're having right now which, which helps create that awareness and, um, and so in terms of the future 
people, especially around my generation, a, a lot of us need a change in mindset because it involves changing the way we do things. Um, and change is very hard for people. Mm. It's just doing a little bit at a time, step by step, changing what you do. What can I do that will make the environment better? What can I do? What can we do collectively as a country? Thanks, Briar. Thank you. Takes us to question number five. Kia ora. Ko Charlotte Toku Ingoa. And my question is, how has conservation technology evolved over time in New Zealand and how might this change in the future? Mm. Kia ora, Charlotte. Technology has changed. It is, I think we're at a very key part for change in technology, moving from fossil fuels into sustainable and green technology. And that's vital for our future. If you consider the damage that we've done to our climate and the climate change that is currently happening because of our technology in the past, we absolutely are looking and changing our technology so that our future will be healthy for us and healthy for our environment. So technology is key. And when you think specifically about the potential of solar power, turbine power, there's technologies yet that haven't even been discovered. And I think it's so exciting that, that you guys have the opportunity to be out there and be innovative and be leaders in technology within New Zealand to make us a greener planet. Because it's interesting, isn't it? Because often, yeah, that technology, what was seemed like the, you know, the answer to everything, mm. fossil fuels and mm. plastic, yeah. you know, such a, you know, actually really quite advanced technology, mm. you know, yeah. perhaps not so much now, but um, yeah, but actually turned out to be um, disasters yeah. <laughs> in, a, yeah. in, a, in a way. So and there's um, a question to ask, what are we doing today that our future generations will say are disastrous, is disastrous? Mm. Don't know. But it's an exciting time for innovation. I believe in technology. Thank you, Charlotte. Um, just before we have our final question, I'm just wondering, Barry, um, since we do have a bit of time, if listening schools or, or indeed our speaking school, if they have any extra questions, perhaps we could open it up. Yes. Yep. So, um, so listening, all, all schools part of the web conference, if you've got, we hadn't programmed it in this week, um, but if you've got, because we've got a little bit of time, if you've got any extra questions you'd like to um, put to uh, Ria this morning, um, you can pop them into the chat pod and we'll, we'll do our best to, to answer them. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just an opportunity. Well, I'll give you uh, after this last question, which is question number six from Kohia Terrace. And my question is, what, what role does conservationists play in shaping our identity as New Zealanders? Just dismissed your name. Isabel. 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 Kia ora, Isabel. Thank you for your question. Identifying ourselves as New Zealanders. I think I've touched on this a little bit, but I think New Zealanders consider themselves with the land of the long white cloud. We're clean, we're green, supposedly. And people come here because of our environment. And so in the world, I think we can position ourselves as a country that is a leader in environmental issues, we're a leader in sustainable issues. That's how I would like to see our country emerge. Um, obviously, everyone has their own ideas, but 
I think identity in New Zealand is very much connected with the land. Mm. Everybody goes to the beach in the summer. A lot of people have connections with farming or with, with some kind of animals. They, we connected with the land. We will go for walks and hikes. We're very lucky in New Zealand with our local environments, so accessible. So for me, that's our identity, is our environment. Yeah, it makes you feel proud. When like, I felt really special that to be walking over on the island Motorua the other day and hearing and seeing Tiaki Saddleback, um, because you don't see them in many places. And um, yeah, it kind of makes you feel, mm. and then even we didn't see any on, the, on this particular trip, but I have been out in the bay and come across a pot of teruhu, bottlenose dolphins. Mm. So that's really neat. And, and yeah, it does just become part of shaping who we are. Mm. So um, yeah, and we, we really are, see that. We are working collectively with many organisations to preserve what we have and restore to try and get back to the future. I remember we did a field trip on Kiwi and um, we had the uh, CEO for Kiwis for Kiwi, mm-hmm. Michelle Impey. And uh, it was a similar question and, and she sort of put, put it back and said, well, what do you reckon? Like mm-hmm. if, mm-hmm. if we lost Kiwi, yeah. well, wouldn't that be embarrassing? <laughs> wouldn't it be embarrassing indeed? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I remember reading something recently about somebody saying, oh, we shouldn't call ourselves Kiwi because, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's not really a, what we a, a kind of the bird would want to, you know, be like living in the dark and um, can, yeah, can't yeah. even fly, uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think... But they're extraordinary birds. They're fantastic And birds. when you see them up close, you, you, they're, they're magnificent. So it's enabling people to see them up close. Well, up close, but in their local environment rather than having to go to zoos. Well, that's the other thing, is um, a part of our identity. Wouldn't it be great if we, you know, if if we could enable people to have a kiwi in their backyard, yes. like you have it here in we Russell. Do. Yeah. Um, and then kitty kitty. Yeah. You hear them at night here and see them crossing mm. the road. And mm. It's fantastic. Hey, thanks very much, Kohia Terrace, for your mm. wonderful questions this morning. So um, this web conference will be recorded, uh, or is being recorded, so it's available to listen to later. Um, make sure that you check out the video so far from this week and have a read of our, the, the diaries, look at the images, and there's also our other web conferences that are on the web conferences page and if you haven't managed to listen to them they're also worthwhile to check out and access the recording so barry what i'll do is um we will well let, let's give a let's give a <laughs> i put what's that i was just gonna say we'll give a pucky pucky to uh kohia terrace for such a great job yeah so um well 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 done excellent questions and um, so feel free to stick around. And if we've got any extra questions, you don't have to stay. Uh, we'll have a roundup at the end. We'll all say ka kite ano. But um, so if you do have to go, go. But um, I just thought I'd, we'd have got five or 10 minutes. So if there's any extra questions, um, I'll get Barry to check out and see if there's any. Well, sure I, well I've got one and it's based on the one that was question two. Um, so Rhea, for you personally, what do you think are the, some of the most nationally significant sites in Northland from ecological, cultural, historical points of view? 
Well, it's really hard to identify individual sites. Obviously, the Bay of Islands, because that's where I live, and it has such an extraordinary range of ecological um, sites. Because it was the one of the first places that Europeans established themselves, also the Hokianga. But then we've got, which was where Coupe first landed and is also very significant, both historically, culturally, and environmentally. But also, you know, up Spirits Bay and Cape Ranga, it's, it's a magic, mm. magic area. It's 90 Mile Beach. Anyone who hangs out on, on 90 Mile Beach, it's just blown away by the beauty of it. It's very hard to identify particular points. Very excited what's happening in the Bay of Islands with Project Island Song. There's um, bringing back the bird song, and eventually, in 50 years' time, some of these students will be able to come to the Bay of Islands, visit Urupukapuka, and they won't be able to hear themselves think because of the bird song. And that's how it used to be. And hopefully, also, if we get on top of uh, pests and predators, mm. we'll get the overflow coming yes. coming over to the mainland. Yes, that's mm. the idea. Mm. It is, yeah, keeping on top of those pests. Barry, have we got any any sort sort of questions. I, th I think one's typing one now. Oh, so we can we can wait for that. I'm just I'm just wondering, like Rhea, you know, what would be your wish for how New Zealand would be in 50 years' time? Oh my goodness, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, without a doubt, I think our I'd love to see the metaphorical fence of pest eradication start from either the top or the bottom or the middle of the country and work its way up so we're completely and utterly pest-free. The pest-free 2050 is a fantastic concept. I'd love also our marine life to be really abundant. Uh, that requires much greater protection in our marine life than we currently have. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's my idealism, is the, the actual taking it back to what it was really pre-Europeans. Cool. Well, you've got to Here's, aim high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's one. Um, Cheryl's uh, class from Waikawa, Ollie, would like to know, how can we get people to stop polluting our sea? He says, we're so close to the sea and we use it every week. I know, I know, and me too, and every time I walk along the beach, there's plastic there, and I know that it's cleaned up every couple of weeks, our beach is here from a group, Babelsh Action, and there's still plastic coming in both from the sea and coming from the land, it comes both ways. Oh, Babelsh, that's the news that I get. Yeah, yeah, that awesome organisation, and they are into pest eradication, but... The, oh, we've all got to take personal responsibility mm. for it. I also would like to see um, businesses take responsibility for their packaging mm. to actually be prepared to take back their e-waste, for example, and, and recycle it. But also that what we get, what we buy as consumers, we can make a choice. Why buy bananas in a plastic bag? You know, they've got their own really special wrapping. We don't need a plastic bag around them. It's beauty of a banana. That's comes right. In its own so I just think if we start being selective about what we buy, then we're forcing, hopefully, companies to follow. But companies mm. also have to take responsibility, and we've got to support those that do. Well, I must say, I was really pleased, because we did a field trip about apples this year, and we went to a company called Rocket Apples, and their apples come in a plastic cylinder and all these little little apples, very tasty little apples, all getting shipped out in plastic. But my wife bought some apples the other day, rocket apples, and they were in a cardboard tube. Yeah. So I was very happy about yeah. that. Excellent. Excellent. Any, any more there, Barry? 
not really, but really? maybe the well, typing okay. one. It's I okay. Mean, okay. Yeah. The, um, We've got lots to do, so we'll be happy to get going. Yep. That's all cool. Thank you very much, Rhea. And Thank you very much, Rhea. Uh, Rhea Bright from Project Island Song for being our expert this morning. And, of course, once again, our speaking school, Kohi Terra School. And for some of you who I've seen that have been here all week. Um, Angela's class. Yep. And Waikawa Bay. So you've obviously really enjoyed the web conferences. I certainly have. I've learned heaps. So we can hope you enjoy the videos and see you on another field trip soon. But in the meantime, Barry, will all unmute you and we can say a big goodbye. Kakite ano. Goodbye. Bye. 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 B